What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua Stein from the J Stein Law Firm in Atlanta, Georgia, and welcome to the next episode of Sports and Torts, where each week we sit down with our peers, colleagues, and friends and discuss sports, law, and business. We have another great guest for you all today. My guest is none other than Mr. Tony Kalka from the Kalka Law Group here in Atlanta, Georgia. Tony is also a personal injury lawyer whose firm has offices all over the metro Atlanta area. He is somebody who personally I have learned a ton from when it comes to law firm management and law firm marketing and business philosophies, and I always appreciate how generous he is with his time and his thoughts, and I very much appreciate him coming today and sharing those thoughts with all of you. Tony, welcome. Very excited to have you, my friend. Josh, thank you for having me to Sports and Tours. This is exciting, and I'm excited to be here. We're going to have a good time today. We're starting off in the right direction. Uh, we poured some Casamigos and some Topo Chico. I believe they call that ranch water in the business. Um, so look, we're, we're, we're in a good spot. We're together at my office. So thanks for coming down here today. I know your office is what, in Midtown? So you're, you're here out in, uh, by perimeter. Oh, I made it. I made it. Well, introduce yourself. I mean, tell everybody listening, those of you who don't know you, uh, most people do, but those that don't, uh, you know, where you grew up, your family, a little bit about that stuff. Well, great. Well, most people uh, don't know this. I grew up in eight states growing up, um, and I was born in Indiana, moved to Ohio, from there to Connecticut, South Carolina, which is a good one for me. Um, I did a stint down in Florida where I flew airplanes. Turns out you don't want your pilot to have ADD, and that lasted a year, kind of uh, crash and burn, not literally, but almost a few of them. And wound back to or wound up at Clemson, where you know I had a lot of roots there from Greenville. So let me stop you right there. I've already learned two things about you that I did not know before today. That's why this podcast is so amazing. Eight states I did not know that, and didn't know that you flew airplanes. And I like the crash and burn analogy. Well, yeah, I almost hit one cell phone tower, and there's some other things, and uh, you know, ended up being. I think because I lived in so many states growing up, in the back of my mind, I knew that just wasn't a lifestyle I wanted my you know, ultimately that I want to go through or wanted my family to go through. Um, I do think it's helped me become a better trial lawyer or marketeer in the sense that having different, you know, temperaments, talents, and convictions, living in different places, talking about the food and this and that, I think it helps you connect with people. You can certainly relate to lots of different types of folks, uh, personal experiences across the board. I think it's fantastic. Maybe that explains your success, man. We're, we're unlocking it in minute two. Yeah, it's right, in minute two. This is all we need. Turn all it off need. in minute three. I can, I can only go down from here. Turn it off. Well, you mentioned Clemson. Uh, you're a big Clemson fan, went to undergrad there. So yeah, Clemson there, I had to fin- I had to kind of squeeze it in from flight school. And, and, and in the middle of Clemson, my parents moved up north so I never left, and I went to Maymaster Summer School, Summer School 1, Summer School 2. Started working at a golf course there. It's where I found my love of golf. Um, and we'd take range balls and kind of hit them off the dock and then everything else there. And uh, I, I still remember this. I graduated lost, or excuse me, Clemson in the summer of 99, and about one week later, cranked into law school. Um, so I drove from what was a pretty much a very hot area to uh, 113 degrees when I was moving into Macon. You went from you went from hot to hotter. Yeah. Huh? yeah, that's right. You went straight from undergrad to law school. That's what I did too. Um, your undergrad, you studied. You're in the business school, right? With the Correct. emphasis on marketing. Marketing major. Um, I ended up minoring in legal studies, and um, and it, it, and I had a professor who went to Mercer. And the reality is I wasn't 
really wasn't bright enough to get in much many other places. And um, and so Mercer accepted me, but I had to hurry up and get in. And like physically get there, you mean? Yeah. So it was May Mester, summer one, summer two. They would not defer to the next year. And the economy was great then. Times were cranking, people were applying left and right. And, uh, it, and I got in, I just kind of, you know, life's all about timing. Um, I just kind of jumped on it, um, hit the gas, and and hopped in that plane of yours uh, and, and flew over there. And so I, I don't fly anymore. Um, I miss it, but you got to stay current with it. And that's just something I don't have with three children in a busy practice. Um, I, I don't have the time to stay current, and, and, I, and, I know, and I know better about myself. Got it. So I brought up the business school of marketing because um, that's not always the traditional undergrad path that people take to get to law school. Um, I mentioned in the beginning how you were very good at law firm management and the business side of the profession. Do you think that that all kind of goes back to what you studied in law school, gave you the foundation to be successful? I would say some of it. Um, a lot of it is, you know, when I talk to young lawyers starting out, I mean, you got to get your books straight. you got to have P&L or profit and loss reports. You've got to understand this going in. Um, you got to have systems and things like that. And, and marketing is a big, really all you take away from marketing is you got to have the four corners of four corners down and um you can put in the product place price and movement or Are position the four corners yeah that's it the four things say it again product place price position there you go and it's the four p's with the four corners but you can put that into law you can you can you can then take if you can commoditize a personal injury case you can put the four p's to it and figure out a system in your law firm and make your system attack it now, the P's I've always learned, is it the six P's or seven P's? Prior planning prevents piss-poor performance. Is that seven? Uh, that's probably my daily. I, 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 I don't do enough prior. Poor performance. Yeah. I already said I have ADD, so there's not enough prior planning I could even try to accomplish. So I, 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 I want to talk so much about the business side of, of this sure. and the law side of this. But before we do that, um, you, you mentioned your love of golf. We're recording this on April 12th, Tuesday post-Masters. Uh, you had a... Good few, past few days. I had a big run. I had a big Talk run. About it a I've bit. never had this experience before. I've had the the opposite experiences of people. I've been fortunate enough to be in the clubhouse. I've been fortunate enough to go to Berkman's. And this year I was fortunate enough to have uh, badges, re- regular badges, uh, Thursday through Sunday. Um, and I took friends, colleagues, and I took my son on Saturday. And that was uh, that was a big one. Incredible. Um you know, we all just die to get the chance to go to one day, whether it's a practice round or or, or regular tournament round. You had all four, man. It was. Did you uh, wear your golf shoes in case they needed you to hop in there. And- I, I I didn't, but I tell you, one person we were with uh, Thursday had a Fitbit on, and it was about six point eight miles of what we walked, and I feel like that was about consistent with every day. We were talking beforehand that going is incredible, and there's, we're not selling any of that stuff short. But if you want to truly watch the golf tournament and watch the shots, you really can't get as much of it walking all four days because you're just moving around the course all over the place. TV's incredible. Um, you got to kind of be in the right spots. And I think I almost know the course a little bit. So especially when I had my son, so he would be able to take advantage of you know good angles. And because you know, he's 12 years old, he doesn't have the height. Um, and we, we went to some stands, and they, they really enjoyed it. So your son is about the same age as mine, but a year older, um, into all the same stuff, baseball, all the, uh, you know, all, the, uh, all the sports. I can only imagine how cool that was to be with him out there. So it was like almost 
what you think of taking a first timer and he was so old, he was old enough to appreciate it and it, it made all four days into one so special because I got to spend time with my good buds walking down the fairway. I got to take some first timers there and then my son we're walking down Washington Road and he says there's no golf course back here. This place is in the middle of nowhere. All I see is Taco Bells and KFC. Yeah. And um, he did beg me to take him to Hooters, but I, I declined. Come on. A- and, um, and so we walked down Washington Road, and boom, you walk in, and he was like, this is incredible. He's like, Dad, thank you so much. I can't believe I'm at the Masters. And he was, you know, um, in his 12-year-old, wide-eyed. He was doing things that grown men for the first time. He's picking up blades of grass. He's touching the grass. Isn't that cool that at that age, from 12 to 112, like the appreciation is the same? I would tell you, at 10 or 11, I don't know that my son in particular would have had that. This year, he got it. And and we play golf together, but he he got that this was a big deal. And his mom is uh, from Monroe, Georgia. I think she kind of read him the riot act that this is not something that normal 12-year-olds or the average 12-year-old can just go do. Like I have to appreciate that. So I've got a couple of questions for you. I love the food there. I've discussed it in the last podcast, my friend, my friend Sean. So, what did you eat? And going there four days, are you changing your order each day, or do you stick with kind of what you know? Yeah, I kind of stick with what I know. I, I I'm a big pimento cheese guy. Love it. Great I, answer. I'm Great a answer. big. I don't really venture into the egg salad or the chicken salad. I know everyone says chicken salad's best. You throw a barbecue sandwich and a, and a pimento cheese, and I I am good to go. Um, the, the, the beer selections were domestic, which was Miller Lite, uh, import, which was Stella, and a, they call it the Crow's Nest, which was like a, a blue moon type of thing. And, and you throw some golf, a Miller Lite, and pimento cheese, you know, what, what else do I need? I'm already ready for April 2023. We just finished it. All right, my next question is um, talk about your, your gift shop experiences, purchases, So learned, and did you go every day? I went every day because uh, I, well, first day I was there, everyone wanted to go, and I would highly recommend to anybody listening to this, keep this back in your mind, you don't need to hit the one on the way in, you need to hit the one at the south gate behind 16. Um, I've said that to a few people who have appreciated it along the way, and always ship your stuff. Pro move. Pro move. You know, it, by the way, it comes to your house the next day. I always see these guys walking around with bags and this and that. It's crazy to me. Um, yeah. So first day, kind of loaded up, shipped it back, um, and then uh, uh, and I second day had three folks who'd never been. Um, a guy, named, a lawyer named Doug Cook. Uh, Ann Gower has been a dear friend of mine for 20 years, and her husband, who I've met through Ann, who's been on your show, you met through me, is, is Jason Darnell. So they had never been. And it was like watching adult kids at Christmas. I mean, it was just Disney World excitement. And, uh, and I had a blast with it. So I ship some shirts home. And unless you get, you've been there, you can't realize the mayhem of people let me back up. You can only purchase this stuff unless you go through eBay or some weird secondary market in Augusta. It's the only time you can get it. Only That's right. You so it. you're not getting on Amazon and getting some new 2022 stuff, this, this and that. So there are people from out of the country. I mean, I saw a purchase that must have been five grand. Easy. And I mean, bags and bags. I can't imagine what they pull in there. Um, so, I'm, all right, so I sent some shirts home for my kids because I knew they wanted shirts. 
That was on Friday. And then on, let me read this text. And on Saturday, I get something back. This is for my 14-year-old daughter and her friends. Uh, it was, uh, just got the package with the T-shirts. If you can, can you get them shirts that have more stuff on the back? They don't like plain T-shirts. And you got to realize, like, you're Just what, set the stage. You're reading absolute, a text message that was sent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it, it, the, they like more stuff on the back. They like more stuff on the back. Allison got one with pimento cheese on the back. Uh, not that one, but there were several others on the same wall there with the Masters, quote-unquote, an old-school logo, any blah, 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 any more rope hats. <laughs> and it just takes this perspective. Do better, Dad. It just takes this perspective of, like, they don't always restock at the end of the day. Sunday was pretty picked through. Um, it was it was kind of interesting, the orders. I, I um, That's I, awesome. That's awesome. Now, the tournament itself, I will say, and I hate to say this, it wasn't as exciting as years past. Um, I mean, Scheffler, to me, it felt like he just had it the whole way. You know, once kind of Friday, late Friday into the weekend, he was just dominant. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cameron Smith, at the end of the day, just couldn't couldn't pull it off. Um, and and, and there's, there, there's a parallel between sort of golf course management and running a firm. And it doesn't have anything to do with Cameron Smith. It's just kind of what your team, especially with Scheffler, right? You know, Scheffler's won. Is it four last six tournaments? Oh, he's on fire. He's um, – and so, what does it take to get there? One talent. You got to believe in yourself, too, right? But you, you got to have the right team in place. And you never hear a, a, a pro win and say, you know, we didn't, we, we, did. you always hear them say, we did this. And, and I do liken that to running a law firm um, because you got to have the right people around you. And believe me, I've had the wrong people as well, especially starting out when we couldn't afford a good talent. Um, you also need to know in golf um, and in life, and I think I've learned this as I've gotten older. Love these analogies. Continue, continue on. Yeah, you know, here's the thing no one talks about because us as plaintiff's lawyers and trial lawyers, you see these people pounding their chests on the billboard, and there's this persona, and you know, there's there's settlements and all this stuff and jury verdicts. But man, as I get older and you get into what's kind of called adulting, you know, some days you just don't have it. Some days you just don't have it. You, you know, um, the other day I went to the office, I just didn't have it. And you've been on the golf course where you're, 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 you're not going to find your swing that day. So you got to manage it. And that day for me was, okay, I don't have it at the office today. I'm checked out. I don't know what's going on. I mean, I've got three kids in three different places and employees and human resource stuff and payroll. And I was like, all right, well, what do I need to prepare down the road? So I just set up case meetings uh, with each lawyer and their stuff. I kind of got on my whiteboard and put objectives of what I need to do by the end of the week. And I did a few other kind of admin tasks. And I had to get out of there because I wasn't going to find it that day. And it wasn't worth me making a, a mistake in law or taking a call from a client. I just didn't have it. And I think my staff or my caddy or my swing coach would have been like, you just got to get through today. You just got to hit whatever club's going to hit a fairway whatever wedge you feel comfortable with because it ain't going to matter with your swing today you don't got it and the right golfers who typically win the majors you'll find out that's what they had i mean they had they got some luck that's always going to happen they got maybe getting the right case from a dry cleaner or somebody you knew uh they they had some talent obviously they had talent because they got through law school um and then they've got the right team in place and i do get a golfer because a golfer Unlike you know a team sport, it 
you got a lot on your shoulders. I love the analogy. And, and when you're out there, you're by yourself as a golfer. Um, just like when you're standing in front of a jury, you're kind of by yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. you have to have the, the foundation of the people around you that have prepared you and the, your team that's helped you get the case ready or your team that's gotten you in the physical condition to right. take on the golf course. So unlike a Scheffler, who's four out of his last six tournaments and just croaked a major, uh, his team knew to put him on the gas. Go for it. Go for it. Keep going for it. Go for it till you can't go for it anymore. Cam Smith, who I love, uh, he was right there. And then as every year, Amen Corner gets him, gets somebody, right? Twelve. It gets. And he knew it right when he right right when he swung. He knew that ball was not going to carry the water or hit the bank and roll back. And then and then it's at that point it's, I mean, there's it's game a re- over. There's now, a- did y'all see Tiger out there? Saw Tiger. Uh, actually, it was really cool on the range with my son. We walked in, saw Tiger. Um, that that was that was pretty neat. Um, what a performance and, he had! And I'll tell you, it was like the gallery following Tiger, and then the rest of the field. And it, and it, it was cool. I, I I walked in and saw a friend of mine, and Tiger's caddy had given her a golf ball. that said Tiger on it. No kidding. Um, so it was just it was a neat experience. I'll tell you, there's another great trial lawyer, one of the best Southeast, Alan Hamilton. He was on 16, standing with us, and his son rolled up, walked up to the uh, tee box. And Sergio's caddy rolled him a ball, and it's got a little Sergio Garcia emblem on it. It's pretty neat. I mean, they no they, Sergio fan for life. My brother, my brother-in-law, his son, they were at East Lake last year. Justin Thomas flipped him a ball. Yeah. And now he's a Justin Thomas fan forever. It's like those small little gestures, they mean so much. You mentioned Tiger kind of overshadowing the field. It was wild. Like you heard no talk about you know Brooks Kepka coming in, no talk about DJ, no, no talk about all these guys. It was like Tiger, Tiger, Tiger. Um, and then he 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 lived up to expectations. Make the cut, you know. Yeah, I think the other thing that was different, and I haven't seen this anal- analysis or anal- um, or analogy. In the, I could be totally wrong, but I felt like there were more top twenties this year that didn't make the cut than than in a long time. More big names, so to say. It felt that way to me. Um, I haven't looked it up either, but you know, it's it felt that way to me. DJ didn't make the cut. DJ did. did he, he didn't make the cut. Okay, that's right. Um, DeChambeau did not. Now, you saw DeChambeau. I did. So we were at the concession stand on Sunday, um, and my buddy uh, is like, hey, that's Bryson. And I was like, ah, he's not playing today. He's like, no, 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 that's Bryson. You look up, and there was this guy, and he's got if – you, if your Berkman's has kind of a little different match – master symbols and stuff and i looked up and sure enough he had a berkman's master shirt a berkman master's hat and he kind of blended right in i mean and i don't know if everyone out there knows this but you can't bring phones in there which again adds to the complication of ordering gifts for people because you got to either write it down and you got to know their address where to ship this kind of stuff um but he was just walking through. I mean, it was incredible. His quote was that he wanted to just kind of watch Tiger and just kind of be part of the of, of the weekend, which I think is great. Um, he yeah, he didn't make the cut, but he stuck around. All right, I've got a question for you. You you are a golfer. You're a good golfer. We played lots of golf together. Um, you can get a, you can get around a golf course. Uh, my question for you is this: Let's drop Tony Kalka on the 18th tee box at 6:30 on Sunday night. You have Scheffler's position where you are five strokes ahead of the field. You with me? Yep. Your skills, the, the, the fairways line with people, the masters on the line, can you convert a victory? In other words, can you shoot less than an eight on that hole? I think it comes down to my third shot. 
in those like conditions because I don't think my driver is going to carry out of the shoot. I think it's three hundred, probably three hundred to carry. So I'd have a, I'd back down and hit a seven wood um, off the tee. Off the tee, great. So then I'm what two twenty, and my seven wood's tweaked a little bit. So that's two twenty five. I'd probably go again, same club, and then it comes down to your third shot. And what if you if if you could wedge it in close enough, you know, you got a shot to putt. If not, and you hit a bunker, and you got to get out of the bunker, and it rolls back, then then, then I don't know. I'm fifty fifty. I'm fifty fifty. I think I should. I think I get a seven or an eight, and I and I, I think that this is this would be my strategy. Now, of course, it all could go to hell in a handbasket with one bad bad swing. But what I think, what I would, my approach would be, and we discuss this in real time, people I was with. I think I'd go four iron off the tee, um, because that takes away just completely losing the ball left or right in the woods and unplayable and all that kind of stuff. I'd probably swing a little fast on the downswing, maybe pull it a little bit, but I think I'm in the fairway somewhere. About 200 yards, I'd probably go about 200 yards off the tee. Depending on my lie, I'd probably go five to seven iron again, not trying to get to the green. Just I trying want, to get there. I, I kind of want to be – it's pretty – you know, that area gets kind of big to the right. I want to have a wedge in left. I want to hit that wedge, leave it short of the green, take those bunkers out of play. Because I'm, if I'm in a bunker, it could take me five to get out, and then I blow it. And again, it comes out on the third shot. Third shot. And then I chip up. And now I have to three putt. Yeah. Which, you know. For me, I would go to a different putting grip. I've got one where, you know, it doesn't, uh, you've seen it, it takes the the, uh, the break out of the wrists. <laughs> Just putt and pray, right? I'd like to think I'd get an eight. I think that both of us would get at least an eight. Well, you, those, are, those are tough conditions tough right conditions. there. All right, well, let's, let, let, let's, let's kind of transition to, you know, the, the career that you have set up for yourself that allows you to go do these great things like, like playing golf, go to the Masters. Um, you mentioned Macon, going to Mercer Law School. Yeah. And then your first job out was, was it Drew Eckel, the defense yeah. department in yeah, town? Yeah, I served about three or four years there. I uh, did my tour. Um, I, I had a federal trial, I think, within my – I mean, before before Christmas of that year, and the next year, and I have great things to say about Jerecko. I'll just tell you, I liken it to a really, for me and where I was in my life, a very good AAA farm training system. Now, I think defense lawyers there, it's a major league team, but for where I was, it's the first year. I mean, I took there's if there was a year I took over 300 depositions, and it was trial by fire, and it was just uh, my my. The partner I worked for was great. Um, I'd say when you get to my age and you have a bunch of gray hair, I've since hired his son, and he's one of my associates. Isn't that so that's cool? kind of fun to see. That's cool. Um, they have the same facial expression. So sometimes I, I look at his son, and I, re- I revert back to being like a scared associate. You PTSD from yeah. starting out? Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to people that don't know, like Drew Eckel, that's an def- insurance defense litigation firm. So doing the defense side of the cases that you now handle on the plaintiff exactly. side. Exactly. And I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about, you know, that transition because I think that we've discussed that with, you know, Armand, who you know was on here, Jason Darneal, mm-hmm. good friend of yours, still does defense work. So oh, yeah. let, let's let's kind of look at it from you transitioned straight out of that firm to opening up your own as a pretty pretty young lawyer. Yeah. So let me explain. I tell, I tell this to everyone. So basically what I did is I called up every plaintiff's lawyer that I had settled a case with. And I was like, can we go to lunch? Can we get coffee? Can we get a beer? You know, whatever it is. Um, and, it, you know, it was interesting because in retrospect, looking back, I get these calls all the time. And I know what that person's wanting to ask, but they just can't say it. So 
And I can't tell you how many people were so gracious to like give me their time and to give me their um, just their advice. And, and I, everyone I had paid a check to, and I was always really fair. And there was a guy named Buck Rogers, and he was just so great to me. Um, there's another guy I settled case with, and I just I just said, look, man, this is all I got. You know, can we do it? And it was better than what he thought I was going to get. And I ended up renting space from him, and I'm still in that building today. He was a social security disability lawyer, and he had had enough um, PI or personal injury cases, and it gets funnier from here. And he just wanted out of it, and he said, you come rent for me. I'll open up my file drawer. We'll split them 50-50, and boy, did I cut my teeth on the strangest of all personal injury cases. I mean, just trying these weird things. Listen, and no offense to social security disability clients, but they don't work or aren't working or can't work. So there's no lost wages. This clientele was predominantly in South Atlanta and they drove these big old Oldsmobiles. So even if they got into a wreck at 60 miles an hour, there was zero property damage. And you know, in the plaintiff's world, property damage does mean something. Um, I cut my teeth on some really hard things, and I, there was a one trial in Gwinnett that I lost, and my buddy referred to it. He goes, Tony, this is going to sound like a, you know, a kick in the gut to you, but that's the best, sal- best $6,000 CLE, CLE you'll ever have, and, right. he, he, and he could have been more correct. So as you're talking, it, it goes back to something that we talk about all the time, which is just your network and meeting people and working hard for people, doing the right thing for people. And uh, it all comes back, right? right? Putting yourself in a situation where you can succeed, which you did. Um, I appreciate that. And then, you know, then it's up to you or your firm or whoever it is to just carry it on through, right? I mean, nothing's given. It's all earned. But then once you start getting your foot in the door and learn the tricks of the trade and learn how to do things, there you go. Yeah. Right. GTLA was a big help with that. Georgia Trial Lawyers Association, just meeting people and picking their brains. And you keep picking their brains. You keep asking, you know, what they're doing. One thing, a word that you use a lot is systems, which I think is such a fascinating word. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Um, I know that you're very good at putting those in place. And let me start off by with just the philosophy of setting up a firm, hiring attorneys, staff. You know, when you start off, you mentioned in the beginning that you can't hire the, the best talent. So how did you look at getting things situated where you have people working you know, with you, for you, getting systems in place to make everybody successful? A lot going on in that question. A lot. I'm trying to break it down. Uh, I had a former law partner. We're still good buds, Brian Bear, who really got a lot more systems going. You know, My personality is more, I am not a micromanager. That's probably shocking to you. Um, I'm just not. Um, we kind of have all good folks who are adults who are responsible for their own things, but we still have systems the way we run our cases and you got to have case management software and the biggest thing i tell people starting out is you've got to have your trust account in order and you've got to have sub trust accounts meaning yes all the money is in your is in your bank account but you still on quickbooks or whatever you're using you need to still break it down for every single client so there's a zero balance and i can't tell you we had clients in the beginning who called us up years down the road and said, you didn't have authority to settle this. And I was like, well, it's scanned right here with your authority and all this kind of stuff. Um, but your trust account, and most lawyers know this, but maybe some don't. The Georgia Bar, at the end of the day, you can apologize a lot for it, but you can't apologize for your trust account. And that is the biggest thing that gets guys in trouble, girls in trouble, gets lawyers in trouble. And so, um, I always tell people to start off with it the right way 
And I was just talking to a young lawyer who, who was uh, practicing here. He just moved down to Brunswick. And I just gave him the same thing the other day. I said, it's not going to seem like a big deal now because you only have five clients. You can keep up with everything. But and when you're 15 years down the road or even four years down the road because you got to maintain everything for six years, boy, you really need that stuff in line. Yeah, and you mentioned trust account. And I think about you know profit and loss statements and balance sheets and, and things of that nature that in law school they don't teach you about, right? Right. And, and there's certain things that you can, you can try to do in-house. Other things, I think you just need professionals to help you with. That's one thing that, that my firm, I've always had people help me with to make sure that sure. is in order. Um, because you're right. If, if that gets out of whack, then you can be the best lawyer in town. It's not going to matter. And I, yeah, I can't tell you how many people have been upside down because an admin made a mistake on QuickBooks and their balance sheet's way off. And listen, uh, you know, all plaintiff, learn, plaintiff firms and all law firms – try to avoid a line of credit. But at some point in time, it is just necessary. And I will tell you, when I was a younger lawyer, we had some larger trucking cases, I would lean on that line of credit like you've never seen. But you gotta be somewhat risk adverse. And listen, defense firms, they have a huge payroll with accounts receivable. I mean, they're they're doing the same thing. Um, But in order to qualify for a line of credit that's just a, a real line, you have to have you know, balance sheets. You have to have P&L reports. You got to have your stuff in order to present to a bank for the bank to, to present to their underwriters. And they're like, okay, well, we get it now. And for to open new offices, right? I mean, yeah. you, you have, I mean, I can't even count now, but talk about the offices you've opened, what goes into opening an office, bringing on new lawyers. So uh, to tell you, COVID's really kind of kicked us in the gut on this. It, it, it's, they still work. I'm on, to be candid, I'm not sure if I'm going to keep them all. Um, not keep my people, but COVID has got us doing a lot of different things. I mean, we now docu-sign more than we've ever docu-signed. And I just felt like before we would always meet with clients and COVID got us to where we're so much more streamlined. Um, now on the right cases that I would say are not important cases, but the right cases where it's, there's a lot more serious things at risk, we're always going to meet with our clients. But a ton of time before was just taken up having to meet with folks and then a settlement statement at the end where, because of COVID, we, we docu-signed 95% um, of our, sort of the, the, the start and the finish of our cases. And I can't tell you how much our throughput um, has improved. So we do that too. I was actually talking to one of my paralegals earlier this week about how a particular client who we settled a case for, and we never met her in person, which last year, two years ago, that would never have been the case, right? Yeah. Um, that's what clients are kind of wanting. You have the technology now to do it. Um, I would prefer to meet with them, but if they're not comfortable, like you can do it all virtually. Uh, yeah, or you've got the client, it's just they're satisfied. They got no questions. They got to get to your office. Like I was trying to come to your office today, and Apple Maps couldn't figure traffic out traffic issues. Ways, and ways, some... couldn't, ways couldn't figure out the new 400, and so all of a sudden, you know, you say you're mean. Then you got like a debt. You got to be somewhere at five. Um, so how do you find the right kind of people to work for you and to keep them? Because we hear so much about how hard it is to find good talent. You've got great lawyers. You've got great paralegals. Great staff. Like, what's is, is there a secret? Is there a key? Or are you just over the years figured out to find the right folks? Um, all of our lawyers have done defense work. And that's a big thing for me. All of our lawyers have worked for insurance defense firms. So they can, and that's important because that's going to let them sort of evaluate uh, where, evaluate a case. And that's usually, you know, if our cases go to trial, it's because me and you just, we don't evaluate the same. And that's, that's not as, 
common as people think. I mean, typically you get to a meeting of the minds. Um, and the other things we do, we have what's called position contracts and we scorecard people at their positions. And so let's just say you're a male intake person, right? Um, you're going to have, we're going to have scorecard this position contract. The position contract basically is this line item thing that lays out what people can, what, what, what the job description is, right? And we kind of, we give that to people in the beginning, like this is kind of your position contract. Now it's not set in stone, but these are the big things you need to do. Like open the mail, scan the mail, email the scan mail, that kind of stuff. And then we top grade them. And listen, if you don't got, if, you, if your grade's not there, gotta go. How often are you, you grading these people? I've had a good, I've had good continuity. Um, in, before it was very often. Um, I've had, and look, again, I know some other guys who are very, very, very successful, have firms that are way bigger than mine and much more machinish, machinist um, machines, but, and they are doing this like a Fortune 500 company. We don't do that. We've had good continuity. Now, if we got to bring someone else in the door or if we retain another lawyer and we got to hire their team, then of course we're right back at it. So I'm picturing, uh, I don't think I've ever told you this, but I'm picturing you putting this kind of flow chart together for, for I don't know the words you use to, to show, you know, open the mail, do this, do that. I got something from you probably five years ago to CLE that your firm put out that was like step by step by step how to do the case. Life cycle of the case. Life cycle of the yeah, case. And it was it. and it was laminated and it's nice and big and readable. And anytime I hire somebody new, that's the first thing I give them. So I'm trading off of your work product because it's so love good. It. I love it. I'll tell you, we still send them out. Um, my email is Tony at 404lawyer1.com. That's like the it's area code 404lawyer1.com. And ironically, you say this, it was just, and I still offer these because I do these zillows for Goldberg every year. That's um, Michael Goldberg. And it's, uh, we, I still offer these. I'm like, I'm not even speaking on the subject, but people seem to love them. I actually have a lunch tomorrow with someone who saw one of our CLEs and was like, can we go discuss this? Like, sure, I'd love to learn about your practice. And I have to mail them out just the way they're laminated. But to, the, to your point, our CLEs just, I think, were expiring a week or two ago. And I can always tell when, like, you're up for your 2022 CLEs or you have to get your 2021 in. Guys start getting emails left and right, left right. and right. Well, it's, it's great stuff. I'm not just saying that. I appreciate so, it. So CLEs is something I've heard you speak on a bunch of them. And the topic is often a lot about this kind of things, right? I mean, that's kind of what you yeah. have been asked to speak about. Yeah. And listen, the book, that, or sorry, the, the top grading came from a book I read called Top Grading. Um, there's no magic to it. Um, you just create position contracts, grade them. It's like scorecard. And but the other important thing is not just for the person working today. You have this contract for when you need to go advertise for the job later. And, right. And, or, right. Or, or or when you're interviewing. You're not recreating the wheel every time. Exactly. And it, it, it's it's showing the potential prospect. Hey, this is what the job entails. This is what you're signing up for. It, and like we were saying about golf before. I mean, some days you just don't have it. And listen, you've got people that you have top graded through their position contracts. On a day where I just don't have it, I can walk out that door and breathe a sigh of relief. I was like, all right, I got a team in place. It's going to be fine. All right. So I'm going to ask you a, a kind of an over, overarching question. How do you view law firm marketing? I love it because it's a challenge. Um, I think it's saturated. Now, we're not as saturated as South Carolina or some other places. Um, does it devalue? Yes. 
My biggest concern with law firm marketing is if we get to a point in time where profits are not, are, if profits can be shared with non-lawyers, I believe some other states have this, then you're going to see equity firms backing law firms. And I think that's going to really destroy uh, sort of small firms. I mean, yeah, I, thankfully I've been around long enough where former clients and people will call us, but you got a guy starting out, that's going to be tough. It's tough. I mean, so what is your, let's turn about the clock, 10 years or 15 years, you know, you know how Tony Kalka thought about marketing and how's that changed over the years? So I went to the internet early on because I was in that office and there's some tough clientele. And I started realizing that runners were a real thing. And I was like, eh, that's not me. Um, and to be candid with you, I got set up to go meet with a runner. I still remember this day. And I was driving down the road. I was on the, where the, it's Buford Highway or 13. And I was supposed to go left. I just threw his number out the window, went right, and did something else. And, and, and it, describe people what, who don't who might not know. Like, what do, what do you mean by runner? runners? Are guys in hospitals uh, who are soliciting business on behalf of lawyers? Um, runners are the wheelchair people in hospital uh, who who wheel you out to make sure you get uh, get to the right lawyer. Runners are down at the police department pulling police reports. Um, and, and back in the day, we couldn't get them online. I'd just see these guys down there smoking cigarettes, pull, pulling police reports. It's like, God, I hope he doesn't pull my clients before me. Um, and I went to the Internet because I thought it would put the choice in the consumer's hand. And listen, runners are alive and well today. I mean, our office couldn't be but le- it's less than five miles from Grady. If we have one Grady case right now, I'd be surprised. Um, and when you say put the information in the hands of the consumer to make choices, by putting your information in the internet where they can find you, learn about you, read reviews, yeah. make decisions based on who they think the best fit is, not who someone's telling them to go. That's correct. That's correct. So I, I, I've oftentimes said that I'm very intimidated by SEO, Google, pay-per-click. It's just a hard world to navigate. you got to almost do it 24-7 and be a, an expert. I always look at you as somebody that's got a pretty good understanding of those kinds. I would say either be committed or don't. And if you're not committed that way, um, because there's, listen, there's tons of ways to skin a cat. I mean, guy you share office space, Andy Goldner, very successful guy. You know, John Houghton, very successful guy. They're not out there advertising because they realize they have to spend their resources other ways. I would, it's, um, we don't have enough time to go into how to do internet marketing. That's why they're probably weekend CLEs on it. Um, but it does take management, and it does take, you know, it's no-brainer. It takes reviews, and it takes clients going to bat for you, and it takes some of it's kind of your location of where you are. And following up with Google's latest algorithm thing that has changed over the years. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. So you pull up. It could be, you know, favorite car wash near me or lawyer near me. You've got these ads on top, which are pay, pay-per-view. Now there's LSA ads, which are legal service ads for lawyers or, um, or just service ads. And that's a rotating wheel. It used to be a seven-pack, meaning seven businesses listed in the map section. That seven-pack went to a five-pack. That five-pack went to a three-pack. So not only the top three show up. And that's people who are bidding the most, paying the most? That's all organic, still organic. And the, so, so put it this way, it's seven, five, and three. Those are people not really paying to be there. They're just doing all the right things to be there, right? And the rest of it are 
some organic URLs and then ads. And so what you're just seeing is a total monetization of the first page. And how long that three pack will be there? I mean, knock on wood, I hope it's there a long time. Um, but that's that. The three pack is where you see the reviews and you think things, things so like you, that. So when you say arrive organically, is that because a website is constructed in a manner that Google says this is a very educational, helpful, informative website that we want consumers to find? In a nutshell, yes. Because you, you have a great website. When I when I uh, started mine a couple of years ago, like you were, yours was one of the ones I looked at and said, okay, how's he doing it? Um, what what was your thought process in going into designing it, and how do you upkeep it? Uh, well, you kind of let the designers do the design, and, and, and a lot of it, and I, I think we're going to have to go through another one, a lot of it just boils down to, honestly, the load speed, which is something you or I wouldn't have control over. It's what your load speed is from your internet service company. Um, and your mobile load speed has now, as obviously the paradigm has shifted over the years to mobile, um, what your mobile load speed is. And your mobile load speed page can or cannot impact your, your, main, your main page. The hardest thing for people to understand is, they, you know, let's just pick a number. They could throw $100 to their internet provider or $10,000. But a lot of this is educated guesswork because if there's just no transparency, Google has an algorithm that outthinks itself. And there was this newest update that came out in December, I believe it's called Vicinity Update. And the Vicinity Update really means it is hyper-local focused. So if you get on a grid, I could find your law firm here, Josh, but if I got a mile or two away, I'd find a dozen other firms. Where back in the day, it used to be I'd find Morgan & Morgan. So it is so hyper-local, um, you, you kind of got to hope it, it, it expands again. Because if I want the best, you know, wings shop near me, it really might not be the one a mile away. It might be the one three miles away. So I've understood when you talk about wings, I understood you talking about car washes, all this hyper local and all these other words. Like, I, I don't, I don't know all that stuff. Have you, have you read about this? Have you gone to CLEs? Like, how do you have time to learn? D all the above. I, um, I broke my shoulder skiing and I realized I got to go figure this out. And I started going to CLEs on it because I couldn't type, couldn't do anything else. And that was years ago. That's kind of how I got into it. And I was really wanting to make a big push on it. Um, I, I really wanted to make a big push and see, see what I could do. And I felt like Atlanta was somewhere where you, in Athens, you probably got to be from Athens or have been lived in Athens a long time. In Atlanta, I felt like, it's, all right, I think I got a shot not growing up here, not going to high school here. Now, where you are out in East Cobb, probably a different, little, probably a different story, although there's a lot of folks that have moved into East Cobb as well. Yeah. So do you think that having positive reviews or just lots of reviews that, that you know, describe how good of a job your firm does or any firm does is the most important part of a website? Positive reviews, relevant reviews. Um, and, I, and there's a stat out there that says once you get over X, it, it doesn't matter if you've got, you know, 900 or and I'm not sure what this what it is off the top of my head. But once you get a bunch, it's not moving the needle. Um, you see these firms with 1200 reviews like a John Foy. And you're like, great. Um, the, but you just need, you, you do kind of need, need to get some up there. What about these, these firms that we see and you and me and some other, some other guys on the text chain, we kind of laugh about, they post every single settlement that they make $25,000, 10,000. Here's all these checks. I'm like, going to say to each his own, not a good look for me. Um, I mean, we've set two records in two counties. You never find them online. Now, if I'm talking to a client about it, absolutely. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk about it. Um, there comes a certain little bit of age that go that goes into it, and and I think some of these guys, 
do it in a way where they're just so proud of what they've started and turned around. And I totally get that. Um, I, I don't get the the sort of internet or Instagram streaming of how to take a deposition. I kind of wonder, like, who are you who are you marketing to? Um, and so I, I'm just not sure a prospective client would like that. But um, but some of the other guys. They're just. I'll take that bottle of Casamigos. There you go. Uh, the other guys, I think they mean it from a, a good a good place. Whether it uh, whether it comes across the way they mean it, you know, I don't know. Um, but some of these guys seem to clearly be still getting cases. So so so, may, so maybe it does work. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important, at least on the website, to to have a prospective client see the kind of results that your firm has obtained. Because if it's a big case and they expect a big result, they want to see that you've done that before. Um, and so I always kind of waffle back and forth on what's the best way to, to demonstrate that. My firm's been fortunate enough to have some good results the last couple of years, and I want people to know about it, right? Because then they think of me and associate me and my firm with those kind of cases. Listen, no issue putting them on your website, 100%. And, and, and look, don't, don't, don't kid yourself. When, you, when, you're, when you've got a case against a, a firm that hasn't heard of you, one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to get on their listserv blast and say, hey, I've never heard of Johnny Smith. Tell me about Johnny Smith. And they're, they're going to look at your website and just see if you've had results before. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. State Farm's doing that too. And Allstate, they're looking at their metrics, what kind of case you have with them. They're looking on your website. Absolutely. And they know how many, State Farm is, is peculiar in the fact that they know how many cases each lawyer in the state has with them. And so that I always I always found that fascinating. They keep up with it. They have all sorts of, of yeah. metrics, all sorts of information. So you also do a lot of what I call community marketing, which is just being out and about around town, right? You know, a lot of people go to a lot of the events, um, which I think is hugely important. I mean, a lot of all of our cases come from referrals from other lawyers. Yeah, yeah, three kids, three different uh, spheres, and I, I I could do better. I think I used to do a lot better with it, um, but. You just let people know. Uh, my best advice, I got this from somebody else. Um, you know, I don't have an original bone in my body. I mean, my best advice, and I got that saying, I don't have an original bone from my body from Jay Sad. So I don't even have you're, this. You're even stealing that. I don't even have this saying to call my own. Um, but uh, I liked your four P's earlier. Yeah. I, I might steal that from you. If it's not original, at least I'm going to take it from you. Well, I got it from a textbook. So um, the it's just let everybody know what you do. Um, and it's funny. I do think... There is a certain shtick where people are like, "Ugh, personal injury." I mean, my in-laws, for example. I mean, just they just thought I was a bottom feeder, right? I will tell you, there is a level when you get to a certain what we'll call success, or you run a business, where people are like, "Okay, all right, bona fide." Let's yeah, admit. yeah. Well, he obviously knows what he's doing, and I think you get to that point, and that was, um, and everyone goes through that a little bit different. Um, and I, it's it's it, it and some people don't really care about the shtick of, of, of personal injury because you there are movies out there and you know ambulance chasing and all that kind of stuff and um, whenever and I tell you this you can you, you can you can get this from me whenever someone says oh you're an ambulance chaser I'm like oh the, anyone can ambulance chase I'm like but you got to catch them. <laughs> Is that a Tony Calca original? Uh, it, it, it might be. It All might. right. So I knew we'd get to some original, but you got to catch it because I, I that it's so funny. Like when someone asks, "What do you do?" I tell them half of them they want to say back, like, right back to you. Yeah. Oh, you're amateur. They catch themselves because they think that you'd be offended. It doesn't offend me. I don't care. But next next time they say that, yeah. I'm going to re- report and, back and, and I, respond I, back with you. I just may said. have gotten that from Goldberg though, to be honest with you. The the it, you know this better than anyone. 
you know, no one wants to hire a personal injury lawyer until they need one. And at that point in time, that's when it gets real. Um, so I, I, I try to keep that in mind. Um, and, and along the lines with, with the community, you even did during COVID, um, like a Peloton group of lawyers that would get together in the morning and, and ride. Yeah, it just started, um, it just started kind of organically. And then the daily report got wind of it, but look, COVID was for some folks, a very ice, well, probably for everyone, right. A very isolating experience. I mean, I never really, I worked from my home for three, for one day a less than three hours with three kids homeschooling and i was like this this is not for me um i couldn't even hear myself think so i never stopped going to the office but for a lot of folks very and especially listen if you are a parent and you're counting on your child being in school and all of a sudden you got to be there it was a very hard time so i just started doing this thing and joe freed got onto it and a bunch of other lawyers barbara marshall at directle we just started this kind of peloton group um, they, they made an article about it. it was just, it's kind of something fun to talk about. And so, who are your who are your go to instructors on the Peloton? It's always a, a, a I move. I honestly move all over the all over the chart. Who you got? So my top. If you were to pull my top three or four, you'd have uh, Kendall Tool in there. Alex Toussaint would be in there. Uh, Olivia Motto would be in there. I did an Olivia Hilton Hills ride today that. I think I'm still sweating from. Yeah, those those instructors are beasts. Like the other thing I'll do though is I won't I won't look at the instructor as much as like the music genre. Some of those like Beatles 100%. rides or ACDC rides or Metallica rides. Like I love those. So um, I mean I'm still in the Peloton. I know that some people will kind of go hot and cold with it, but still part of my my. Routine. Well, yeah, for me, I, I ripped my Achilles uh, about two years ago. So running is not running is not a good look for me. Yeah. All right, I promised you some Clemson football airtime. Okay. So we've got about 10 more minutes left. I don't want to cut that short, even though you could talk about law firm stuff forever. Unless there's anything else you want to, that we missed that you want to talk about. World is your oyster, my friend. All right. Well, my oyster, I want to give Clemson some, some, some air time because we've done a lot of Georgia talk. And after a few months, I want to say, look, Clemson's been on here. Alabama's been on here. LSU's been on here. I don't want to be accused as just focusing on, on Georgia. So uh, you were there 95, 99. Mm-hmm. Clemson was what? Seven, eight, nine, win team at best back at then best, at yep. best. So kind of like when I was at Georgia, I mean, like we would get our eight or 10 wins, but nothing like we have now. So um, Dabo comes in what? Oh, eight. See, I think it's, I think this is his 14th season. So, so 08 sounds about 08. right. I believe yeah. this is his 14th season. Um, and if you know his story, it's amazing. He was at one, I mean, he was a walk-on at Bama. He was an insurance uh, salesman and, and got back into. I believe, I believe he was a wide receivers coach. I'm not sure at Bama. Um, so he changed it all around. I mean, was Clemson? You know, Georgia gets called a sleeping giant that Kirby has now officially awoken. Like, is that kind of what Clemson was viewed as? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, remember we won in '81 because y'all won in '80, and then they had a real Danny Ford era. They had a really good run in the Hatfield era. They had a really good run. They got to be one of those teams where they won ten games. I think they clipped their coach Hatfield, and they stumbled after that. And I was there during the Devin or the Tommy West era, and then it was then uh, Tommy Bowden, Bowden and yeah. then it transitioned to Dabo. And I think, you know, I think he's uh, obviously I think I know he's done a fantastic job. And it's um, listen. You know, we had we had what's now perceived as a down year, which is is hilarious to me, um, with a ten win win season. When you go four and three, and then you end up being ten and four, I think it's a pretty good run. Isn't that a great place to be? It's isn't that best. a great place to be? That's where George is getting to. Where if we were to go ten and two, it's like crappy year, 
yeah. which is which is a, a fantastic place to be. So so Dabo has won two. Have y'all won two titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, if I'm, I, did, I should have looked this up so, beforehand, but y'all were y'all back and forth Alabama for a minute. For, yes, and then and I knew we turned the corner way back when when we started to. Charlie Whitehurst was in there, quarterback. We started to beat the LSU's of the world. Like I knew we were finally getting. Um, you know, it's one of those things too. I remember when Kirby went in, into the locker room the first time from Bama, and he was like, "Oh boy, we're small." Like that was if you look back and historically, I mean, he was um, he was like, oh, "We got to get big, fast. we got to get bigger." Yeah, and so and faster. Yeah, I mean, so we've um, you know, I think the biggest knock on Clemson is we're in the ACC. And so I have a few things on that. One, it's uh, you, you you predicted my question. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, and it, 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 it cuts both ways, right? You know, the SEC. You can't tell me Vandy's a good team. You can't tell me Missouri's a good team. I mean, there's a there's a bunch of teams in there. Where you're like, really, guys? But um, in South Carolina, when was the last time they were relevant? Like 1948. Um, the but I do think the ACC should be better. Um, I do think it does, to be candid, give Clemson some breathing room because they're like, okay, we can go play Wake. Um, but would you have ever thought years ago that Miami would be, wouldn't be the program you want it to be, that Florida State would just decimate, that Miami – or sorry, Tech is just not there? So should, Yeah, they're, they're, they're programs that should be better. If I was Dabo, I would just own it and be like – Look, we play the teams that are on our schedule. I think we, he does. I think we, he does a really good job of that. Sometimes. I mean, I've heard him be a little whiny, though, about comparing the two conferences. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Just show up in the final four. All the time. that He he, he gets pretty um, – you know, he gets – because Georgia just became relevant last year, right? What's it, 40 years since they won? What does Clemson think of Georgia? I So, it's I, I, I think the issue there was um, – you know they're they are as a crow flies. I think what 40, 45 minutes. Very close. Used to have an incredible rivalry. My understanding of the story is that they went and played down to Georgia, and there was more kegs than the campus could 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 see straight with, and that that ended that one. But what about current day? I mean, does Clemson? Oh yeah, Georgia, Clemson has to see. Oh, Georgia's Georgia is. back, hundred percent. Georgia's back. Um, and listen, I, I have living in Georgia, and um, yeah, my wife went to Georgia, and some of my best buds. In the world, I've go to a lot of Georgia games. I think it's a great. Pro- I mean, it's a great program. Athens is a. I get it with Athens. I mean, there is nothing not to love about Athens, um, and I and I think it's great for college football that Georgia's back. Um, you'll probably not like to hear this, but I think it's good for college football when Tennessee wins. I, I love to see them relevant. I agree. I've said I've said before that Tennessee not being that good, South Carolina not being that good, Auburn. Like, it makes Georgia's season not as fun, right? It's like you play these teams, we win by three touchdowns. I'd rather than be games, we get together with our friends. You don't know who's going to win. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you on that. I mean, as, as I handicap it, you know, 2022 season, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, maybe Ohio State. Like, those are the teams that legitimately have a chance to win the title. Yeah. Am I wrong? That, that, that is, that's it. You know, Ohio State's got the speed. They don't have the size. Um, and, and maybe they'll adjust. So Clemson, you know, we played Georgia and Clemson played last year. DJ, I'm not going to try to pronounce his name. Maybe you can. We'll just go with DJ. We'll go with DJ. Uh, he was not good. He got that Super big NIL deal, yeah. um, paid a bunch of money, and then well, what happened to that guy? 
Couple things, a uh, little bit injury. Our O line was just not there. I mean, it just wasn't there. And I'm not making an excuse for him because his throws were just not on a rope either. I mean, even when he was wide open. Now, towards the end of the season, he started to make some plays. And I don't know if the game is too fast for him. Like what you found out about way back when with Woody Danzler is he just couldn't read the defense. And I'm not saying that's the same thing with DJ. Um, but I don't know that he was just thinking his size. He's like the size of a Dante Culpepper. He's huge. Yeah. He and, came in from where? Like, what was uh, his? I believe it's Hawaii. I mean, it's way, He way came up. in Cowboy right under Hawaii. Trevor Lawrence and was he stepped in for a few games, right? Yeah. Against Notre Dame. We lost that game, but played lights out. Um, and Notre Dame probably had a different game plan with him. For, you know, they probably didn't see that coming. Uh, although they should have, because I believe, I believe Trevor Lawrence was out, was out because of COVID or the COVID protocols. But regardless, I mean, huge disappointment all around. He, he knows it. Um, you had mentioned to me earlier about a, a new five-star quarterback coming in. Cade Klubnik out of Austin. What's his name? Uh, Cade Klubnik. Uh, I couldn't pronounce his last name wrong. It's K-L-U-B-N-I-K. Five-star guy out of Austin. And I know he's helped us recruit in Texas. Um We'll see, and I know so he competition is open. We'll see who it's, wins. It's open, uh, and, I, and 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 everyone realizes it. It doesn't take a rocket surgeon to realize that the competition's open, and um, you know Clemson's got a big loyal fan base. Dabo has did the things that Kirby is doing now or has done. Not it is the new practice facilities and the, the, the new bowling stuff and the food and the chefs and the, all this stuff. And it, that, I remember Kirby saying he was very excited for like students to come back to campus because they had been doing all this stuff and he was excited to see it. And that's, I believe that's what these recruits want to see. They want to see facilities and things they can use. And it's all about recruiting. That's what Dan Mullen, that's why he got canned from Florida. He said the wrong thing. He's an idiot. Yeah. Kirby, uh, Sabin, Dabo, they get it, and that's why their teams are, are the top three. So I mentioned the two national championship games. Um, I feel like you're always going to those games. I mean, did you go to all, both of them, all of them? Like- I, went to th- I went to three of them. And, you know, when you – look, it was fun to be a Clemson fan in, 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 in South Carolina, right? Because everyone's a Clemson fan or South Carolina fan, but this hasn't been relevant in years. I mean, you know, Spurrier might have put a breath of fresh air, but Lou Holtz didn't. And uh, then I go down to Macon at, at Mercer, and you, you got everybody driving red pickup trucks. You know, you go to the bars at night, people are screaming, go dogs!" And I get it, I get it, I get it. But people just start screaming at me out of nowhere. Like, I, like, I, like I'm the quarterback. And uh, so it was a very, very interesting take on my part. Um, uh, and so it, um, for us to be relevant, is, is just fun. So where were those games at? Because I just got back, as you know, from Indianapolis, which of all the places for Georgia to be playing in, where did you get to go? Correct. Uh, I went to Phoenix when we lost, um, Miami when we won, and I went to Santa Clarita when we won again. And I, I, my understanding is out in California, they're never putting it there again. Those three venues are a little bit better than Indianapolis. Phoenix was amazing. And Phoenix I talk awesome. about a town that knows how to host an event. I mean, it was, it, it was great. Miami, obviously, was our first win. Um, Hunter Renfro for the catch. Any, and, and, any, I, and I got to give a shout out. His cousin coaches my son, or coached my son this past year in summer league baseball. And, Got to get, got to interact with the Renfros. And Hunter Renfro's a beast, man. I mean, was he on the Raiders, right? He's, yeah, he's their he's their top. He was he was our walk on. 
Yeah, I feel like he was there for a decade too. By the way, <laughs> and so it's it, it's fun it's fun to watch him. Um, any any uh, any good stories from any of those games? There's so many good stories from all of those games. I mean, I, I gotta tell you, San Carita. We well, I'll tell you this. I've been to a bunch of national championships with Jason Darnell, um, and we He's went. He's an Alabama fan. Y'all are always playing each other. Oh, and and so he took it gracefully. And then was it Ohio State that they beat when we went down to uh, Tampa together? Um, anyways, we went to that game, and he won. I was just excited for him. Um, that's the, cool. The stories are fun because it kind of starts in the airport where you start to see that you saw it in Indianapolis, right? You start to see the crowd and everyone's in on it. The colors and, and the cheers and the chants. It just, you just can't beat it. It, it. There's nothing better. And and to win just is the is the icing on top. Yeah. The cherry on top. Whatever yeah. I think um, – and, and Georgia is poised for such a good run and such a good recruiting. And my, I mean, I – I will be shocked if Manning doesn't go there, to be honest with you. You think Manning goes there? I, 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 I think Stetson I, Bennett's going to be our quarterback for the next 10 years. It's not going to matter. He ain't going <laughs> is, anywhere. Is he still a freshman? Yeah, he's, he's got a lot more eligibility left. Yeah, I think. There was a picture, I don't know if you saw it, on Twitter with um, – it was actually at Augusta with Kirby, Luke Bryant was in it, Brandon Stokely actually posted it, and Peyton Manning was in it too. So I'll Peyton be, and Kirby are hanging. Uh, for my friends in New Orleans who, who kind of who who, who who live in New Orleans, I, I I'll be shocked. Um, but you know they got some old Miss people who might be upset. But I will be shocked if uh, if that's not happening. Do we have breaking news on sports and torts today? No, I got nothing. Ar- don't Ar- quote Ar- me Ar- on anything. Arch Manning is going to don't, to don't quote me. No, 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 don't All right, quote so me. I've 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 been to Death Valley one time. Um, Georgia played Clemson. This was probably ninety nine. That sound right? Two thousand ninety-eight. I think I feel like o two o one. We went on back to back. Would have been like, that long. I thought I was still in school, but either way, it was eight hundred degrees there. We sat on the sun. Uh, Georgia kicked Clemson's ass that day, incidentally. But it was it was a uh, it was just it was just hot. That's that's my takeaway. Talk about you know Death Valley as a venue. Talk about being a fan there. You got the awesome. rock. You got the rock. They all go. It's, it's awesome. So I think any game in the South opening weekend is just hot. I and mean, if you if you look at what Georgia and Clemson have done this year, they they've moved it to the uh, Mercedes Benz. Smart. Um, it's just brutal. No matter where. I mean, you could be in Little Rock and you're still fighting the heat. Um, it is. It, it, it's it's a great deal. Uh, I tell you what's really neat, unique about Clemson is you can leave the stadium, go to your tail, tailgate, and come back as much as you want. You leave, Okay. They and stamp so you, your hand or anything? You stamp your hand, you walk right back in, and, and you're right back in your seats. So our tailgate's about 40 yards from the stadium. Walk out, we're right back there. Walk back in, walk out, walk back in. And it is a neat, neat experience. Um, and they, they do it right. And I'll tell you what's different, um, and I wish Georgia would do this because your tailgate system would be better. We have numbered spaces. So my buddies and I, we have the same numbers, so we know where to go park to go tailgate, where y'all have like the Tate Center or like the law school, and you got to get people to get there early. to do. I, the, you know, the first time I came to Athens, they were like, let's go to the Holiday Inn Express. And I was like, why? Yeah, it's difficult. Athens is always a fire drill every time. Where are we going to meet? How are we going to get our cars there? Who's got a parking pass? I yeah. like that. It's almost like reserve parking. So real quick, Clemson is a college town. Um, downtown area, bars, restaurants, like kind of describe for people who've never been there what it's like. Clemson, we call it Clemson. Clemson is Auburn with a lake. Uh, Clemson has the same footprint. Is that a Tony Cocker original? No, absolutely lake? not. It's a, a, the footprint of Auburn with, uh, with Lake Hartwell involved. 
and the downtown is great obviously it's grown um you know it's a top public university uh the downtown is pretty cool i um i was unfortunately fortunate enough to get into an auto accident with the owner of tiger town back in the day and it wasn't our fault and he just assumed i was 21 and that's the rest of my college right there so it's a fantastic little place and um it's hot too i mean you know you hear a lot of people more so than i used to hear you know metro atlanta that are going there it's a great school yeah so then i have a good friend of mine who works there our missions are through the roof just like georgia now you start getting the national exposure of football then all of a sudden you know you've got people in wisconsin who it's a never, real thing it's a it's, it's a, a real, real thing. thing i mean alabama's on the map now i mean these football coaches they are worth every penny because they just bring eyes and and exposure and people want to be involved with the with the brand they're selling Good stuff, man. Well, Tony, I knew this would be fun. It has been fun. Um, we could keep, continue going, but uh, in the interest of time, we're going to. Um, so tell people where they can find you, website, uh, offices. I mean, you, you know, your, your main one is Midtown. Look up Atlanta Personal Injury Lawyer. You'll find me number one. Uh, or we are calcalaw.com, K-A-L-K-A-L-A-W.com. Look, my cell phone number is 404-808-6403. I'm very accessible. Um, you know, we are uh, always, and if another lawyer listens to this and has questions, kind of what I've done, let's let's go to lunch, let's have a beer, let's talk about it. Um, I've made more mistakes than I have not, so if nothing else, I'm glad to share my mistakes. That's cool, and, and people should take you up on that, because I know I've asked you plenty of questions over, over a ranch order, like we're doing right now, and I've enjoyed learning from you today. So, my friend, I appreciate the time here today. Josh, thank you so much for having me. This was fantastic. I think sports and torts is... Uh, you know, kicking ass. There you go. I appreciate that. We'll have you on again. We'll do a roundtable like me, you, Brian, Karen. We'll get Andy. Fantastic. You know, all, all the guys. Jason, everybody. So it'd be good stuff. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening. It's been a good time. And as always, keep chopping.